Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. My name is Clayton Croker, joining you from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, where it's super hot. I am sweating buckets right now. Uh, Justin Anderson's to my left, not sweating buckets. How are you not sweating right now? Uh, I don't know. It's warm out. All right, good talk. <laughs> uh, Patrick Marsh is joining us on Skype as well. Good to talk to you as well, buddy. Um, I'm going to rush through the intro here because we really want to get to some Blue Jays talk because I don't know if you knew this or not, a few things happened to the Jays since the last time we talked. Just a few minor little things. Um, Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Stitcher, wherever you are listening, however you are listening, we really appreciate it. Uh, we're all over the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Give us a like. Find us at BFMD Podcast. No shooting the shit off the top. No weird, crazy sponsorships off the top. We're just going to get right into Blue Jay talk because this has been a wild week in the world of Blue Jay baseball. Um, before we get into the trades, and we're going to get into the trades, <laughs> um, Bo Bichette, the savior. Well, I think Vladdy Jr. is the savior, Boba but Fett. Bo Bichette is like the savior junior. Um, I've been calling him Flo Bichette on my radio show. It's going to catch on because the guy's hair is fucking magnificent. Um, his first three games... Were great. He hit a home run today as well. Just his swing, the way his hips move, and the way his hands stay back, and the way he can just... I've been saying it all season long, Bo Bichette's my boy, and I think Bo Bichette is the future of the team, him and Vladdy. I know a lot of people think Jordan Groshans might be a better shortstop in the long run. I disagree. Bo Bichette's the guy, and I think he proved it in those first three games. I know it's tough to judge a guy on three games, but whatever. Uh, Patrick, we're going to let you uh, talk about Bo first. Are you gushing over him as much as me? Oh, absolutely. This is it, guys. This is the start of a brand new era of Blue Jays baseball. Forget about Marcus Stroman, forget about Aaron Sanchez, forget about Joe Biagini, forget about everybody, forget everything you thought you knew, and open your mind up to the cult of Bo Bichette, because the doors are open now. He's batting four sixty two in three games, uh, which is completely unsustainable, but that's okay, because he has looked outstanding on both sides of the plate. I, I There's... There's not enough positive adjectives <clears throat> uh, to go around as far as trying to describe just how exciting Bo Bichette is already. And you can just feel it. You can see the reaction, everything that happened when he hit the jack earlier today uh, for his first career home run, the elation in the dugout. It was just spectacular. <clears throat> this is the start of something really cool. And I'm looking forward to this new era. Yeah, I've been loving all of the uh, stuff that the Blue Jays minor league teams have been posting at the Fisher Cats. It's like, oh, when these three get together, championships are won. Mm-hmm. And the Danita Blue Jays replied, yep, we second that. Exactly. So it's just like the hype is finally over um, in the minor league system. We've, we've, these guys have arrived. We've been talking about it since we started this show last June of waiting for these three to be on the team. And mm. here they are. It's great. I know that you guys love Jordan Groshans as well. I talked to him about him a little bit earlier. Yep. And... I've always been on the side where, no, Bo Bichette is the future. It seems like you guys have always been like, well, wait, we got this Jordan Groshans kid. If Bo Bichette keeps this up, what do we do with Groshans in the future? Do we move him to third and put Vladdy to DH? Like, will Vladdy be fat enough to be a DH by then? Or do we keep Vladdy (laughs) at third because he's been playing great at third base defensively? Like, Justin, what do we do with Groshans if Bichette tears it up to finish off the season? 
I mean, grocery hold store's on a couple a years away, but so let's uh, let's hold Oof, our horses I... a bit on that. But yeah, I I think we we gotta keep Groshans anyway. He's a third baseman in the future, I think. So moving into third. Yeah, because Vadi's because... Vadi's not a third baseman no. long term. Obviously, Patrick. Man, I hate to tell you this, but Vladdy has not been a great third baseman. He's made some exciting plays, but he has 11 errors. Yeah, 11. Man. He's a rookie. 11 errors. 11. Yeah, but he's Vladdy, so who cares? Guy hit bom- guys, hit, guys hit bombs. Whatever. Yeah, he's a tr- tremendous positive at the plate, but he's a negative value defender right now, if I'm not mistaken. I like his plays, though. Like, like I, I see the big plays. Sure, he makes an error once in a while. Every baseball player will. And, again, he's fat, so his defense isn't going to be that great because he can't bend over that well. But, I mean, when it comes to hosing guys out from third base, making those catches right on the foul line, I mean, I didn't expect him to make those kind of plays, and he's making those big, huge plays from third that can kind of turn a game around. That's what I'm kind of talking about when it comes to – the defense at third base. Sure, he's making errors here and there, but the big plays, I love the big plays he's making. Yeah. Again, good right. talk, Justin. Good talk. You're way too talkative over here, man. Holy. I mean, get to the trades, man. We're, the we're, insight that you are providing getting, today. It's a trade deadline. We're not talking trades. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, he's okay, I guess. It's Vladdy, man. Anytime you talk about Vladdy, you yeah. got to get excited. All right, let's just get to the trades he's then, Mr. He hits, Numbers. He's lucky he hits Grand Slams. Um, let's start with you, Justin, since you're so talkative yeah, today. We'll get I you mean, out of the way. Um, your first initial thoughts on the trades. Um, first initial thought on the Stroman trade was like, okay, we got a couple of good prospects for him. That Simeon Woods-Richardson kid's going to be a stud, I think. Uh, Anthony Kay, yeah, upside of mid-rotation. Probably a number four, number five guy long term, but still a solid pitcher. Then we got to the stuff that's happened over the last couple of days. Is like, yeah, we got a, we actually got a top thirty prospect from the Cubs for David Phelps, which was somewhat surprising. I thought we were gonna get like that good old cash considerations or a player to be named later. Like we got two of them in the Eric Sogard deal. We'll see what those turn into. Um, then today, this whole Astros trade with Joe Biagini, Aaron Sanchez, and Cal Stevenson going to the Astros for a triple-A outfielder named Derek Fisher. Um, Mind-blowing a little bit. I'm a little bit confused. A little bit. A little bit angry at the same time. A like, little bit. <laughs> Cal Stevenson is one of the best hitting prospects in our minor league system. We just dumped him for a bucket of balls. Yep. Sure did. Um, I don't know why we had to give up three players to get a triple-A outfielder who is 25 and has hit 200 and like 150 big league at bats. <clears throat> I'm not sure why that was, why that was a thing. I don't get it. Cal Stevenson has a career minor league walk rate. He walks in like one fifth of his plate appearances mm-hmm. and he strikes last year. He struck out 30 times less than he, than he walked in rookie ball. And he's doing it this again in Dunedin this year. He's walking as much as he's striking out and which is, and they're both like, I think they're both under 10%. And we just gave him away for a triple A outfielder. I can't believe that we had to give up again. Like you said, three guys. Like maybe be a genie and Sanchez. Yeah. I can get it because we need to dump him. Dump but him. why did we need to throw in a prospect to get this we, guy? We, if this guy doesn't turn out to be a star, what what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, Patrick, your initial thoughts on the whole trade deadline. We'll get into the nitty gritty of all the trades, but just your initial thoughts of everything that went down for the Jays. The. The, the net sum for us, like what we got back, is not terrible, but it is 
very jostling to see the massive portion of our pitching roster gone <laughs> in a matter of like hours. It's very jarring and jostling and all those other wonderful words. And I understand why a lot of, I would say, casual fans are upset at some of these moves. Um, I would say that I'm fairly upset at one particular move. And I have a lot to say about the Marcus Stroman trade. A lot. Because it is not as clear-cut as what... Jays fans and r slash baseball are making it out to be there is a lot of filth and dirt that has to be mined through to get to the actual understanding of why this trade happened and what we got back and why we got that back and why we traded with the team we traded with well don't just so, tease us get into it you can't just tease us and then go away for 10 minutes and then get into it there no, right. let's talk about it now Let's do let's do it then. We'll start off with uh, the Marcus Stroman trade. So Marcus Stroman was traded to the New York Mets uh, along with cash considerations, which I believe was 1.5 million, which was the remaining uh, dollar value of his contract for the rest of the year, uh, in exchange for Anthony Kay, who was drafted 31st overall in the 2016 MLB draft, and Simeon Woods Richardson, who was drafted 48th overall in the 2018 MLB draft. So two young prospects, um, very young. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get to them in a minute. We need to start off with the Stroman part. Obviously, it's upsetting that Marcus Stroman was traded. Um, people had grown attached to him, regardless of what you think about his social media presence. He was, uh, for the most part, um, a mainstay on our roster, aside from the fact that he got injured that one time, uh, but he came back and he had some good seasons with us. He's also had um, one or more, depending on how you interpret them, bad seasons. Last year was one of them. Uh, this year he was an all-star for the first time. So his value couldn't have been higher. So you're probably all asking yourselves, you know, why, why this trade, why the Mets, why these two prospects? There are a couple of other things we have to consider before we get to talking about the return. And I'd actually rather Justin talk about the return itself. I'm going to talk about the Stroman part. Um, as far as I'm concerned, there are some things that people don't seem to have clear when it comes to Stroman. Uh, first of all, it is, it is an unequivocal fact that Marcus Stroman was not going to re-sign with Toronto. Uh, it wasn't going to happen 100% certain after he said so, which was in and around the All-Star break. I don't remember the exact date, but he made it clear. Uh, and the way that he framed it was that the management of the Toronto Blue Jays uh, was not interested in considering him as a part of the future of the team. It, that's partly true. Um, he also said that there were never any negotiations for an extension that was unequivocally false that is a flat-out lie it is not true the tweet that we saw about him saying something along the lines of um news to me not true they had negotiated to, they started to talk about uh, an extension 
And they've likely done it more than once because every year before Marcus Stroman would go to arbitration, undoubtedly they would have talked about some sort of extension. Now this year, that's what actually happened. Ross Atkins made it very clear on Monday that the Jays did talk about a contract extension with Stroman, but they did a full stop at negotiations when they had an offer in mind, Stroman had what he wanted in mind, and the gap was just way too wide. So at that point, Atkins pulled the plug and said, nope. And that was at the point where Stroman was no longer going to be a part of the future of the Toronto Blue Jays. So to say that he was never in the plan or the or that negotiations never happened, those are just not true statements. That is not what happened. So that's the first thing we need to consider. The second thing is that from the early point of the season, you can go all the way back to, I guess, February when things started to be discussed as far as the Marcus Stroman's future in Toronto. Stroman has controlled the narrative from the beginning of the season and the Jays management allowed him to do so. He tried to make it clear that management didn't have him in the future plans and that they didn't want him despite him breathing Toronto and shitting blue and bleeding blue or whatever and having the Toronto skyline tattooed across his chest or whatever it is. He was very public about the entire process, and it was he was universally accepted by everybody as being the bad guy, or the good guy, sorry, in what was turned out to be a bit of a messy divorce. The truth is that all of this was calculated by Stroman from beginning. He worked very hard to make himself look good and very passive-aggressively make management look bad. That's, I'm not saying that to put him on blast or to say he's a bad person for doing that. Marcus Stroman did what was best for Marcus Stroman, period. That's what happened. So whether you like Atkins and Shapiro or not, or whether you like Marcus Stroman or not, that's why at this point Stroman is so fondly thought of while he leaves town and why Atkins and Shapiro look like doofuses because they were made to look like doofuses through the whole season. So let's fast forward to Sunday when the trade actually happened. As soon as the game was over, and I believe it was somebody in management, I can't confirm who was in the clubhouse because nobody knows. Um, There were coaches and obviously the players, and Stroman found out he was traded to the Mets. He blew a gasket. Nobody knows exactly what was said because the media wasn't allowed anywhere near the clubhouse at that time, which is very rare for the Jays. They almost never do that, but they anticipated that this was going to happen. Stroman was the one who blew up. He later admitted that he was the one who blew up. Uh, And immediately that, in my mind, puts into question how he feels about the Mets from the start. Now, he immediately tweeted out a picture of him wearing a, a Mets jacket. I'm sure that was entirely by choice and... He's going to spin the narrative to say that he was genetically predispositioned to play for the Mets or whatever it takes to make him seem like the good guy. That's that's fine. But the fact is that there is a narrative here that people are misunderstanding. That is what happened. Stroman is not necessarily the good guy in this. I wouldn't say that Atkins and Shapiro are completely clean in this matter. I do feel like 
in some regards they did Strowman dirty. I don't understand why they, yet again, on one of our key players, dramatically pull the plug on negotiations. I understand the analytics part of it and that, you know, at this age and at this time, Strowman is worth X dollars because of what his output is. The same way that they did, they did the same thing with Edwin Encarnacion. Edwin had a number, they had a number. Edwin balked at the initial offer and they immediately signed Kendris Morales. They didn't hesitate. They didn't wait because they didn't want to negotiate with him. They did the same thing with Stroman at the beginning of the year, and this is what happened. So, Justin, what do you think about the return? So, let me just wake up here. I was <laughs> kidding. That was a good, uh, good breakdown. Um, <clears throat> the return is, I don't want to say underwhelming. It's it's whelming. I'm not overwhelmed by the return. I'm not underwhelmed. I think the it has the potential to turn into something. Um, I want to talk about Anthony K first. He's the the lesser of the two pieces. Um, first of all, let me say these guys both had a great interaction with Jays fans on Twitter yesterday. I don't know if you guys were watching there. The Canadian thing? Yeah, they, yeah Anthony K is like, all right, yeah. Blue Jays yeah. fans, hook me up. What's Canada like? And mm-hmm. everyone was just telling him everything that was going on, like bagged milk. He's And the Jays were replying to Yeah, that was the my Jays were replying too. It. So it's like these these two kids are getting into it. Um, so Anthony K is 24. So the Mets originally tried to draft him in 2013 as an 18-year-old, um, but he wanted to go to college. And then they drafted him again in 2016 with a 31st overall pick. So that's when they stole those compensation rounds at the end yeah. of the first. I uh, can't remember which free agent gave him that pick. but So the Mets drafted him in, at the end of the first round in 2016, and immediately they found that he had a bit of an elbow issue and he had to have Tommy Johns. So he didn't pitch at all in 2017, the year after he was drafted. He waited until 2018 to make his debut, where he debuted in, in A ball. He didn't play rookie ball because he was already 23 at the time, um, and he pitched quite well that year. Uh, this this year, he started in double A, made 12 starts, um, had an ERA of 149 and an XFIP of 350. They moved him up to triple A. He's made 10 starts there, hasn't gone as well, so or seven starts there, sorry, hasn't gone as well for him. Um, his ERA is over, over six and a half, and the reason for that being is that he's actually giving up home runs now. So his first three levels of the minor league system, he gave up a grand total of... I'm just getting the numbers here. Uh, nine home runs. Hmm. Through, and that was through uh, 20, 35 starts. In his seven AAA starts, he gave up seven home runs. Damn. So he's had a little bit of an adjustment to the level. He's not striking out as many guys, and he's getting hit hard. But at the same time, it's an adjustment period, right? AAA is a lot different yep. than double than A, and they're Way challenging different. him. And I mean, I'm not sure where the Jays are going to send him yet. I haven't heard if they're sending him to Buffalo. I would assume they probably will because with the trades that we've experienced with Stroman and Sanchez now gone, we need rotation help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it sounds like uh, Baraki's going back to the DL today with elbow, elbow inflammation, so that's fun. And, yeah, so we might we might see this guy in, in Toronto pretty quick. The real intriguing piece of this trade is Simeon Woods-Richardson. He's 18 years old. He's a, first over, a 48th overall draft pick in 2018. He turns, I believe he turns 19 in September. Um, but he started the season in uh, in A ball with the Mets, and has and the Jays are going to put him up to Dunedin, where he's going to be the youngest pitcher in in A in high A ball, mm-hmm. and he'll be one of only six teenagers in high A ball, and he's 18 years old. He has a 4.25 ERA this year, but his xFIP is xFIP is 2.28, so he's had some bad luck there. In 20 starts, he's only allowed five home runs. 
He struck out 97 and only walked 17. Um, so he's the Jays wanted this guy back in 2018. We, we had the 52nd overall pick, so the Mets got him at 48, and we ended up getting Griffin Conine at 52nd. Mm. So the Jays eventually got their man through this trade. This kid is the real piece that the Jays wanted here from the Mets. Um, he's the reason that, that they probably made this trade, is to get him. And Anthony Kay was a left-handed pitcher who they thought, you know what, if this kid ever works it all out, he he's coming off his second season since Tommy John's, mm-hmm. still recovering. Uh, he's at AAA, so he's he's got potential to at least be um, a filler until our team is ready to, to go in signs of free agents or until our guys like Nate Pearson and Eric Pardino catch up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the trade from that regard, we, we all said last week that we wanted pitching when we were talking. And, we, and since we've been talking about this podcast, when we want to trade guys, we want to trade them for pitching because we have these prospects like, like Bichette, Biggio, and Guerrero who are hitters. They don't throw the ball off a mound. Well, they probably could, but we don't want to see them as position players pitching. Uh, although Cut4 would love that on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what? I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Simeon Woods Richardson fan um, already. Um, both these guys are going to get a chance. Kay probably gets a chance in September this year with the Jays when rosters expand just to see what he's got. And by all accounts, I mean, he, he pitched a few years of college. He's got experience. He's kind of like a Kevin Biggio, but pitching, where Biggio went to college first. He's a bit older than our other prospects. So he's got some experience. He's got some leadership. He's, he should be a fun piece. And it seems by, by all accounts, by his interaction with fans on Twitter, that he's looking forward to a new chapter. Mm-hmm. And, he's gonna, and he knows he's going to get a chance now. Um, the way this roster is shaping up, he may get a chance sooner, sooner rather than later. So I'm, I'm, I'm not overwhelmed by this trade, but I'm not offended like some people are at the perceived lack of value we got in return. We got what we wanted. We got pitching help and pitching prospects, which is I, what we need. I love Simeon Woods Richardson. Yeah. Great fucking name, first of all. Yeah, it's like, long. That's, it's a, gonna, that's a good it's name. It's going to wrap around that jersey. I love long names like on baseball jerseys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't... I'm sure Anthony Kay is going to be a great pitcher. The one thing that kind of ticks me off is he wears glasses. And Come on, name man. me one good pitcher that wears glasses. Eric Gagne. Man, if you're leading with Eric Gagne, I mean, <laughs> got him. <laughs> he had a couple good seasons, but I mean, like, yeah, okay, one guy, Eric Gagne. Oh, establish a scene. Trent Cecil. Thornton wears glasses. Yeah, exactly my point. If your neck, if your next name is Trent Thornton, like the glasses on pitchers, again, it has nothing to do with it. It's one of my funny little observations. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I like it. He's 24 though. Like Pitched Mark, a couple years, only, couple years of college. I understand that. But lost year to Tommy John's. Only four years younger than Marcus Stroman. But he doesn't have the wear and tear that Marcus Stroman does. Does Marcus Stroman have wear and tear on He's his pitched, knee? Yeah, on his but knee. But does he have any elbow issues? He had some shoulder issues last year. Tightness. Every pitcher goes through tightness. If you're a major league pitcher, issues. you're going to go through a little bit of tightness. But he missed, almost, he missed half a year last year. Okay, but if we get a 24-year-old guy, how do we not get another 19, 20-year-old prospect then? <laughs> a flyer. Like a guy who's had maybe some injuries. Yeah. And how do we not get just a flyer where I would, this guy could be I good? agree with you, and I agree with you because we had to pay money on Marcus Stroman's contract. Yeah. That should have earned us at least something else. How I, do you get I do like agree that? with you. We should have gotten three players in return. I like the two pitchers we got in return. They're going to be great. Yeah, it would have been nice to get one more piece. How do we not get three guys from Marcus Stroman? How do we not get a flyer? Especially one of, one of the guys we got was 24 years old. Yeah. There's more to this, though. Uh, and that Stroman was the first piece, like major piece, to be dealt during the deadline. And certainly, if you look at all the starting pitchers, with the exception of Zach Greinke and Trevor Bauer, he's kind of. It, it, it was anticipated that Syndergaard was going to get dealt, but then 
the Mets pulled back on that, which actually makes them look smarter uh, for keeping that rotation together. I, did they end up dealing Zach Wheeler? I couldn't find no, confirmation whether they, they kept, did or didn't. They kept him and Syndergaard. Yeah, so they now have one of the best rotations in baseball. They're going for it. Uh, yeah, and I mean, they're 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. I don't know if they played yet today or if they played tonight. Um, I didn't get a chance to look because I was too busy <laughs> having panic sweats over uh, getting ready for this episode. Um, but the return is light for Stroman. Um, but Stroman was not the number one pitcher available. He was an important piece. But the Jays were at a disadvantage in that everybody knew that there was going to be a bitter divorce and everybody knew that Marcus Stroman wasn't going to sign in Toronto. And all these things did kind of have an impact at Toronto's bargaining position. And I think that's why we got two instead of three players. Um, imagine how stupid, though, they would have felt if if they were offered these two players and they said, no, we're looking for three. And the Mets came back and said, well, we give, we'll give you these two other prospects and not Simeon Woods Richardson. And then then it's a no. And then all of a sudden you're stuck with Marcus Stroman, who doesn't want to sign with you. And all, you just lost one of your main yeah. training partners. And you, you got to train to the Yankees. And we the, the Yankees were 100% unwilling to deal any assets during this uh, trade deadline. And they got and nothing back in return either. they suffered endlessly mm-hmm. for it. Um... We've talked a lot on this show. You've talked a lot about getting getting these trading these guys when the time is right. We waited a lot too long to trade Aaron Sanchez. Yeah, we get into that trade. Obviously, uh, we waited too long to trade Josh Donaldson. We didn't trade yep. Bautista or Encarnacion, and we got nothing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, at least with Marcus Stroman, we traded him away before it was his before he was a rental player next year mm-hmm. because the Mets still have control of him next year. Yeah. So at the very least, we got more now than we ever would have gotten for him next year from from anybody next year we were probably gonna get one prospect for mm-hmm. him so it's a pretty significant dent in their linings. in the mets pitching prospect system for sure we got we got a, their their fifth and fourth and sixth prospects and now that bo bichette is gone so they slotted in at five and seven for us but once bo bichette graduates as a prospect they'll be our fourth and sixth best prospect so mm-hmm. i mean we got two top 10 pitching prospects from a team yes it's the mets yes their depth is a little bit lacking when it comes to other um organizations but the the way that the that the scouts and the the rankers slot these guys in it, it, it they're they're quality guys um let's talk about probably let's get through those two minor ones the phelps and the hudson trade we don't need to talk about those for too long because we got scraps for them yeah go on and eric sogard so eric sogard to the rays for two players to be named later um daniel hudson to the nats for their 27th ranked prospect uh kyle johnson i believe he's a right-handed pitcher he is in high a uh, not doing too terribly right now. Decent numbers, uh, nothing special. Um, David Phelps to the Cubs for their for Thomas Hatch, who was like their, it wasn't in their top thirty, I don't think. Maybe the 29th or something like that. Um, he's 25 years old, so he's got a real real five guy this 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 winter, and he's probably going to be a relief pitcher if nothing else. But the last big yeah. trade that kind of broke here, at the end of the Jays game, um, Joe Biagini was the first one announced. Those he was gone. And then they started chiming in that Aaron Sanchez was going to the Astros too. And then out of fucking nowhere, 
Cal Stevenson gets thrown into the trade. Yeah, you're mad about that. One of our best hitters in the minor league system, who I am pissed about, for fucking Derek Fisher. Is he, isn't he an NBA player? Is that Derek? Like Derek Fisher, wasn't he not an NBA player for a while? I think he had a C in his name. Uh, it was, oh, it was, it was the era when they first announced the trade. Um, the wrong name was in. Yeah. And everybody was making Derek, Derek Fisher, Fisher jokes. jokes. But, like, so Derek <sighs> Fisher is a... I don't want to say he's Socrates Brito, but he's 25, about to turn 26. A career big league slash line of he's hitting 201. He doesn't have that many at bats. I think it's less than 300, perhaps. Uh, I haven't had a deep chance to look into his numbers, but it's like, why the fuck? Excuse my language, mom, when you listen to this. Did we have to trade Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini plus Cal Stevenson for one dude? Who's a triple A outfielder? I would have been mad if Sanchez and Biagini just went for Derek. Yeah. I would have been mad if it was just Sanchez for Fisher straight up. Is there something we're missing here? Like, have they not announced this full trade yet? Like, are we getting like $20 million for Cal Stevenson? Because that's like this guy, he he walks as much as he strikes out. And this year he struck out and walked less than 15% of the time, not even less than 10%. Mm -hmm. But last year, I was telling these guys before the show. In his first year of ball, over his two rookie levels, he walked at least 30 times more than he struck out. He had close to like 60-some walks and less than 30 strikeouts last mm-hmm. year. In rookie ball, as a first-year big, as a first-year professional player out of the draft, yes, he, he, they think he has a power shirt that's going to develop. He only hit like nine home runs last year. He's got five so far this year, but he's playing in high A ball, and he's hitting 298 with Dunedin, and still, yeah, walking as much as he strikes out. He's that's along the same lines as what Vladdy was doing in the minor leagues and what Bo was doing and what Cavan was doing. These guys, you can't buy pitchers or batters with a good eye. You can't buy them. Like you find those guys and you keep that. You like you keep them because mm-hmm. teams aren't going to give up on those guys easily. It's almost like pitchers who can keep the ball on the ground. When you find a good one, you usually want to <laughs> you know keep them. Or pitchers with a but, good attitude uh, who can also keep the ball on the ground. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, well. But it's like Cal Stevenson. Why? Why did we have to trade him? And to Houston, too, who got yeah. Roberto Osuna from us. I mean, that was kind of an iffy situation to begin with. Super iffy. But there was an episode of The Office, um, season three. I can't remember the actual episode. I think it was episode eight or something like that. But it's when uh, the merger happens between Scranton and... Sabre? And, no, not Sabre. And um, it was Scranton and Stanford. And that's when Josh told everyone that he was going to go to Home Depot instead of accept everything. There was a part in that episode where Jim said, say what you will about Michael Scott, but he would never have done that. Say what you will about Alex Anthopoulos emptying the cupboard, but he would never do that trade. He would never do that trade. I know he emptied the cupboard. I know he made some iffy moves for a couple years, but Alex Anthopoulos doesn't do this deal. Patrick, what do you think about this Houston Astros deal we made? I, I mean, I don't like it. I agree with the assessment of Cal Stevenson. All signs pointed to him be, being, you know, much, much better. And if we're going to make a deal like this, like even assuming Aaron Sanchez had zero value, Cal Stevenson certainly doesn't have zero value, and Joe Biagini certainly doesn't have zero value. So why are we trading away three players to get Derek Fisher, who is – Another one of these quadruple-A players, he's like a worse Anthony Alford. Like, he has speed, upside, and things like that. Like, he's not a a piece of garbage. He's just not 
his career slash in 100-plus games of big league ball is 201, 282, 367. That is not good. Um, he clearly has problems with contact hitting, and I don't even know if I would say that he has power either, really. Um, I, it's just it's baffling to me why why they would do this. Maybe it's a matter of, do you remember how we've made a couple trades with the Astros and we actually benefited from them? Like, uh, like I don't know what Osuna's stats are like, but Ken Giles has been pretty good for us since we picked him up. And we also traded a couple of other players and got back some others. I think Trent Thornton was an Astro prospect at one point, and he's now one of our main starters. I mean, he shouldn't be, but he is right now because we just gutted our pitching roster. But anyway, Sanchez was obviously no longer going to be a part of the Jays' future, so I have no problems parting with him. His decline in performance is, I mean, the stats don't lie. He was not good, and he wasn't getting any better, and it wasn't working out in Toronto, so that's fine. He wasn't going to be getting a long-term deal from us anyway. He's also 27 years old. He's just, he doesn't fit in line with the future of the team. They need to think younger. Um, but this is still an extremely bad return, considering the fact that Joe Biagini has literally just turned himself into a serviceable reliever after two disastrous seasons as some kind of weird stopgap starter who just kept giving up like five runs a game in six innings and was just a disaster. So this is the worst of all the trades. I don't have a problem with any of the other ones, but I have to say, like, if you look at all the players that we got rid of, like Clayton, look at the list. Marcus Stroman, 28-year-old, ace starter. One year of control left after this year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Sanchez, 27 years old. Now our number two starter, only one year of control left after this, if I'm not mistaken. Daniel Hudson, eighth, our eighth inning guy. Joe Biagini, our eighth, seventh inning guy. Daniel Hudson's 32. Joe Biagini's 29. A couple of years left to control. David Phelps, about to turn 33. He wasn't sticking around anyway. Eric Sogard, 33 years old. For the first time in his career, he's hitting 300 in a full MLB season. And even then, he got the call up in April or whatever it was. Okay? All these guys had very little control left on all of their contracts, and they were a couple of them, Stroman and Sanchez in particular, would hypothetically be in line for a significant raise. Now, I doubt Sanchez was ever going to get it, especially after this season where his value was almost plummeted to very close to zero. But Hudson wasn't going to come back. Phelps wasn't going to come back. Uh, Sogard wasn't going to come back. Those guys were brought on specifically because we needed to sign somebody in order to fit into this uh, hodgepodge team that's in transition. But trading your number one and number two starter uh, in a vacuum is going to upset fans. But there was very little control left. Marcus Stroman has a bad attitude. I, I don't think anyone can deny that at this point. I mean, the blow-up at the end of his tenure in the clubhouse, I think it, it better serves that. Um, I'm happy for him that he's in a different uh, system now and that we got something for him. 
and that he has the opportunity to pitch in New York, which is what he always wanted. Um, I, I just, I'm, I was sick and tired of hearing about his stupid social media presence and this narrative that he, he pushed the entire season. I'm sick of it. I don't want to deal with it anymore. Aaron Sanchez just became a bad pitcher. He full on Ricky Romero. So like, there's nothing sad about trading away all this control. Somebody actually tweeted uh, earlier uh, that the Jays have 20 plus pitchers in their system that could be MLB start starters, according to Ross Atkins. Take that for what you will, but they just turned 14 years of remaining control on players into 42 years of control with their trades. And that's a significant difference. The team that we have now is going to look very similar in three or four years, which means all these players are going to get maximum amount of time getting MLB experience. As Jays fans, we are going to have to live with the fact that this is going to have growing pains. I would say that this is the worst it's going to get this season. We're going to lose 100 games. Just brace yourselves for that. That's just what's going to happen. And if it's not 100 games, it's going to be like 90, 95. Disgusting, but we have to deal with it because that's what happens when your team transitions. Uh, Atkins was also quoted earlier today when he talked to your favorite guy, Clayton Arash Madani, yeah. uh, when he said, I, I can't imagine really a better starting situation for an organization. As hard as it is for fans today, we are set up very well for the future. That is absolutely true. It, there are, were some bad returns. We could have done better as an organization in our returns. Uh, and Atkins and Shapiro are not innocent when it comes to the situation with Stroman. But that being said, I don't understand how you can could think that this team was going to compete with the players that it had when the onus was put on Stroman and Sanchez to deliver and to be the next David Price or the next Mark Burley or the next R.A. Dickey or the next Roy Halladay, and they didn't do that. They didn't do it. They never proved that they were that number one ace. And Stroman was our number one ace because he anointed himself that, and we had no one else to be our number one starter. So it doesn't really make any sense for people to, to delude themselves into thinking that Stroman was this magical piece that was going to be the MVP for the entire league next year or was going to suddenly light the world on fire. He's a good pitcher. He has great uh, fielding ability. He has two really good pitches and another good pitch. And that's it. He's not some superstar descending from, you know, heaven to, to save this franchise. He's not Roy Halladay. We're still looking for the next Roy Halladay or Mark Burley or whatever. And we haven't found them yet. And the experiment for Sanchez and Stroman is over. Don't you feel, though, like the stuff that Shapiro and Atkins did with the Astros deal, don't you feel like maybe it might be their problem and not Strowman's problem? Like the, the whole episode you've been saying, no, Strowman's in the wrong, Strowman's in the wrong. When I look at the deal that they pulled with the Astros today, I just assume that something must be going on with them because no right general manager should ever make that trade. So like, are you saying, like, do you kind of trust 
Atkins and Shapiro in the whole Strowman situation, believing they were in the right, because judging by the couple moves that they made, like I just I don't think that they're in the right. Uh, well, like I said, Strowman or uh, nobody in the Strowman Atkins Shapiro circle, uh, the whole situation is innocent. I don't believe that at all. I do think that Strowman was dishonest about some of the things that he has said. Uh, I wouldn't say that he was lying, but some of the things were framed in a way that deliberately made him look good and made Shapiro and Atkins look bad. But that being said, I don't understand why you walk away from the table immediately when the first, like the initial part of the negotiation happens and you don't like what you're hearing. And they've done it twice now to our superstars, and that I have a problem with. And this uh, deal with Houston, to where we dealt three players for one guy who will, who might play a few games for us, maybe a cup of coffee, uh, with this organization, but is not going to be a part of the future. And look, if I'm wrong, fuck me. I'm wrong. I'm wrong about Derek Fisher. Okay, I'll take that. But still, Biagini had several years of control, and he was just starting to turn it around. I don't understand. And Cal Stevenson, by all accounts, was going to be a player that we needed in the future that was going to help bolster our lineup. And now those two guys are gone. And it doesn't make any sense. And this is the last trade that, that, I've, that I will see from them where I will immediately go into defense mode because I don't, I, I, I don't want to defend this trade because I think it's a bad trade. And I think the return is sucky. I understand getting rid of Sanchez and be a genie because of their age, but not necessarily because of their performance. And it's weird for me to say that because I was shitting on Joe be a genie nonstop last year, like nonstop. You remember Clayton, yeah. I was shitting on him every goddamn week. And I was completely wrong about him as a reliever. He was serviceable this year. Dare I say good. And that's why I don't understand the deal is why the fuck, and again, I'm so sorry, Mrs. Anderson, why in the purple fuck do you trade a guy who's turning it around and you still have control on him? Like, more than one year. This wasn't a Sanchez or Stroman situation where this was like someone we thought was going to be an ace. It's Joe B. Genie. He's not, you know, Roy Halladay or, or fuck, I don't know, Tom Seaver or, whatever superstars he's he was just going to be a serviceable reliever now he's gone and we have to call somebody else up who's probably going to be you know hit really badly in his first couple appearances and we're just going to keep losing and maybe it doesn't matter anymore i don't know again say what you will about alex anthopoulos but he never would have made that trade he was good with trades Atkins and Shapiro appear to not be good with trades. I'm not talking about the Stroman trade. I like the two guys we got in return. I still think that they sold him a little low. I still think we could have got a little more for Stroman. But the big thing on Anthopolis is, well, he entered the, emptied the cupboard. He, he sold the farm, and Atkins and Shapiro had to rebuild it. Can you remember the people who we traded for Tulo and David Price and all those trades that we made that year? Can you remember the guys that we emptied the cupboard for? Yeah, he traded Jose Reyes and Jeff Hoffman for mm -hmm. Tulowitzki, and but there was more to it than that. Um, and Hoffman, we thought was going to be a good pitcher, and he ended up not really being one, mm -hmm. and that's okay. So who do we give up for that? Happened. Price? Uh, I 
don't remember. I can look it up. While I'm looking it up, though, keep going. But anyway, <laughs> again, that's the thing. Can you name someone who's making an impact from those trades that Alex Anthopoulos made? You can't. Um, you can't. Like, you have to Google it. You have to research. So there's not that one guy. That's why I hate the narrative of, oh, Alex Anthopoulos emptied the cupboard for Shapiro and Atkins, and now they're trying to play catch-up. None of the guys that Anthopoulos traded ended up being good players. And we got two years of great baseball and an MVP out of those trades. And one of those MVPs was traded for cement head Brett Laurie. So I don't like the narrative that, like, because, again, Alex Anthopoulos' name is getting brought up a lot because the Braves are killing it right now. And he's par- partially responsible for that. And everyone's like, no, 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 Anthopoulos would never do this. I'm missing Alex Anthopoulos a lot today because I've said it a lot on the show. I don't trust Shapiro and Atkins. I really don't. And that trade to Houston proved it. I just and they panicked with Stroman too. Why did they trade him so? Like, why did they trade him a week before the deadline? And especially for not three prospects. Like, if you can only get two prospects in return for Stroman, just be like, okay, you know what? We're gonna wait a couple days and see what we can get. Instead, they just pulled the trigger. Well, I mean, they clearly wanted to control what the return was going to be. They wanted to set the market. I I don't know why. I can't answer that question i mean one thing i will say is that shapiro slash atkins slash management are extremely good at drafting you there's nobody could argue against that uh if you look at 2017 which i think was the first year that they were in control of the draft because it wasn't was it 20 no it was 2016 they were Mm -hmm. right yeah okay so tj zook who will be ready sooner than later um, in 2016, uh, Bobichet, 66th overall in 2016. He's now on the team and he's, he looks fantastic. Uh, I don't know whatever happened to Zach Jackson or Joshua Palacos. I think they're already <laughs> gone. Um, but, um, the next year they drafted, um, Logan Warmoth in 2017 and Nate Pearson in the compensatory round. Nate Pearson, who is now our top prospect, who is also going to be a top 20 prospect next year. Um, and then they took a flyer in a lot of, like Kevin Smith was drafted in 2017. Uh, and he's probably going to end up being something. It's hard to say what Casey Clemens is going to be. He was also drafted in 2017. Jordan Groshans in 2018, Adam Kloffenstein, in 2018, um, Griffin Conine in 2018, um, who we drafted because we couldn't get uh, Simeon Woods Richardson. So, like, they're really good drafting, but the trades that they have made since they took over, there have been some bad ones where they take a bath, and we're currently paying... Out more, we're retaining more salary right now than we have currently on our 25 man roster. We're paying more money for guys like uh, Tulowitzki to be retired, I guess, uh, Russell Martin to be playing somewhere else, and so on and so forth. That's that's bananas to me. Like, you want to know where our payroll is and why it's so low this year? Like, our payroll is actually like 111 million, but half of that is. To being paid to players who don't even play for us anymore. Well, the thing is, too, you can be good at drafting players, but the thing with drafting players, it's a maybe. 
Half the players you draft are going to end up being okay. Half the players you draft are end up going to be flops. That doesn't work in our division. We are in a division with Boston and New York. If they miss on draft picks, they can just spend $150 million on free agents to fill the holes. We can't do that. So we have to bat 100%, not 100 in baseball batting average. That'd be horrible. We have to bat 100% when it comes to drafting, and we don't do that. And can we compete with the Yankees and the Red Sox getting free agents? No. Which is why no. Atkins and Shapiro shouldn't be here because the, the, oh, that's their strategy. We'll win in the draft. We'll win in the draft. That's not going to work when you are in the same division as the Yankees and the Red Sox because they have so much money they can buy their team. And yes, it might work for a year or two, and then we just lose our stars to them anyway. I liked Alex Anthopoulos' idea of thinking like the Yankees and Red Sox. Let's bring in some big names. Let's stir the pot with a couple trades. Let's be like them because they're successful. We're thinking like the old early 2000s Jays, which is what I really, really don't like because it's never worked out for us. I understand why that would why that is frustrating completely. Um, I remember those Jays teams. The problem is that we are not the New York Yankees or the Boston Red Sox, and we never will be. We are never going to be a team that's going to win five, six, seven World Series in a span of 20 years. We're never going to be that team. We can't be. It's impossible. We don't have the payroll for it, and it's not that Rodgers is cheap or that Shapiro and Atkins are cheap or whatever. If you look at it, Edwin Encarnacion, if we had signed him for the money that we have, He's already been traded three times. So either Shapiro and Atkins are idiots alongside those other GMs that have already dealt him, or Edwin is just way too streaky and unpredictable a player to justify paying him $25 million a year. Like, that was, I'm glad we walked away from him. Uh, maybe not right away. I think, that, again, snap decisions like that are a mistake. I don't really agree with it. But in the long term, things worked out fine. Morales wasn't great for us. We didn't need him to be. The team was not going to be competitive after 2016. The team was going to fall apart. And the, and the assets were all going to be dealt. Josh Donaldson was not going to be our starting third baseman this season. It was going to be Vladdy. Vladdy was going to be ready. And he was going to come up. And we were just going to have to deal with the the awkward, shitty transition of having a bad baseball team while our players developed. But make no mistake, we do not have to be 100%. We don't have to bat 1,000 in the draft. We just have to bat better than the Yankees and the Red Sox do. And by and large, so far, we have. We have Bichette. We have uh, Biggio. We have Guerrero. We paid money to sign Lourdes Gurriel Jr. We took a flyer that we took a flyer on Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and look at what he's doing right now. He's by all accounts, he's our best outfielder uh, at the plate and out in the outfield. And he just learned how to do that this year. So imagine being Randall Grichuk in this situation, by the way. Yeah. Um, arts being surpassed. It's mm. ridiculous. But like I'm not trying to deliberately come across as like a shill for Rogers or a shill for Shapiro and Atkins, but look at what they did in Cleveland. The reason why Cleveland is successful and the reason why they got as far as they did and have in the past few years is because Shapiro and Atkins set the system up to be that way. And it worked for them. It's hard for that 
exact strategy to work here in the American League East because we're competing against teams with ridiculously high payrolls. Now, eventually, we will get our shot of free agents. It wasn't going to be this year, and it wasn't going to be last year, and there's no fucking point investing money in a Dallas Keuchel or Craig Kimball when this team wasn't going to compete. So Jays fans really need to understand we were not going to compete after 2016. The window was firmly shut the minute that the final out was recorded in that game five or game six, whatever it was against Cleveland. It was over. It was the end of that era. And there was going to be a few years of transition where the team tried to be competitive and it just didn't work out. And now they're signing guys and then they're immediately flipping them for value, which is better than what we could say for Anthopolis who sold off resources he got lucky in that they ended up not working out on other teams, although I would argue Matthew Boyd on Detroit, who was traded uh, for David Price, is actually, he's become a serviceable starter, and he's the kind of starter we kind of need right now to be logging innings, because we don't have anybody to do that anymore. Not to say I wouldn't make the David Price trade. I would, 10 out of 10 times. Wouldn't re- I, don't, I have no regrets when it comes to those two seasons, but... Anthopolis is no peach. He's not some perfect uh, general manager who never made any mistakes as long as he was the GM here. He made a lot of good choices, and it got us back to the ALCS, and that's great. But Shapiro and Atkins have only, this has only been their team for three years, and they're only just now getting out of underneath the boot of Alex, Anthopo- Alex Anthopoulos drafted players. Like, we have to understand that. It is now their team. They've made indefensible uh, trades. But how the fuck are we going to know whether or not the prospects we traded for pan out? Yeah, I'd love a rebuttal, but we got to go. Um, our evening lady has to do her show in here. So that's it. That's all for this episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. Yeah, pretty passionate episode. Um, again, Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Uh, make sure you give us a listen on there. Give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Patrick, Justin, Clayton, signing off again. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Almost forgot, extra song today, going out to Bo Bichette because he is the savior, which is why we're going with savior, rise against... For the second time, have a good one.